Amen. Would you stand with me, please? As Bob comes this morning to read from God's Word for us. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This is the word of the Lord from Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we are in between series right now, there have just been a couple of passages of Scripture that I've felt led to preach and teach on on Sunday mornings. And as I was preparing for these weeks, our associate pastor, Zach Hudson, remind me of a story that happened to me some 20 years ago that I had completely forgotten. And I'm quite sure if Zach had not reminded me, I, I probably would have never remembered it again, which is, is amazing because it really was uh, one of the craziest experiences I ever had in my life. So this was right after I graduated college, and I was driving out to a small town in Oklahoma to preach at a church. And this was back before the days where everybody had a cell phone and there were quick trips everywhere and lots of 24-hour gas stations. So I had made up my mind. I knew that I needed to get gas, that I, this was a Sunday night service I was going to preach, that I was going to stop at this little country gas station on the way to the church, get gas in my car, and then that way I'd make sure I was good to go home. So I stop, and, and this, by the way, was the days that, that even on Sunday night you preached in a full suit and tie, Okay. And I stop, and I get out, and I'm filling up my car, and, and inexplicably, the hose attached to the nozzle just breaks off, and it's, it, it was like a, a, a snake spewing out gas, just flopping everywhere. And I ended up going to the church a, a few minutes later, completely drenched in gasoline, all over my jacket, all over my pants. I had nowhere to change. I had nothing to change into. And so I literally had to walk into this little church stinking of gasoline, sit in the front, hope nobody noticed, and, and get up and preach. So, so I'm up preaching, and, and it was right about the time that I noticed the flowers on the stage were wilting in front of me <laughs> that I, I, I just called it out. I said, in, just in case you think you're smelling gasoline, it's me. And, and here's what happened at the little gas station. Uh, it's certainly the only time I've ever preached and felt fully flammable the entire time. So I'm thankful that, that nothing worse happened. But I, that story had completely dropped out of my mind until Zach told me. He says, every time I get gas, I think about that. So congratulations. You can join the club and think about that the next time you fill up your car as well. But I remember even thinking back then as this young preacher boy often being sent out to preach in these small churches in Oklahoma, I'd have experiences like that and I would say, God, what have you gotten me into? Why have you called me and given me this specific calling and commission in my life to do this and to have these kinds of experiences? And in 20 plus years now of full-time ministry, there have probably been some other times where I've said, God, what have you gotten me into? But I will tell you that this last week was not one of those times. 
This week that we experienced together, and so many of you were a part of the Tulsa Festival for Christ, was one of the most joy-filled weeks I've ever had in ministry. I actually wrote about this in my little channel column this morning, that, that every single night, though I went home exhausted, I went home with my heart full, just so thankful for, for what we were seeing the Lord doing for every word that was sung and spoken out on our back property, for the life change that was happening, uh, and just so many things that, that I know you would, would agree we had to be thankful for last week as, as a part of the festival. What a great week it was to be a part of South Tulsa Baptist Church and to see the ways that the Lord is working in our community and working through us and to just see the ways that, that he is so active in our midst and he simply asks us at times, would you just join me in the work that I'm already doing? And we had the privilege to be a part of so much of that last week. And I was thinking as well, you know, we, we come off of a, a big event like that and, and lots of life change was happening and many people felt that the Lord was speaking to their hearts. And so some of us may be thinking, so now what? what what's next? What does God want me to do? with what he's spoken to my heart and what should my life be like now as a result of this very personal encounter that I had with God. Some of you may be feeling that after this week or maybe you've been wrestling with it for a while or maybe this morning the Lord will speak to your heart in a very personal way and, and my prayer is that each and every one of us will leave here today with a couple of things in mind. First of all, that we will know and believe that Christ has set all of us apart for something, every single one of us. And that in advance of knowing what that is, we would say yes to him. Whatever it is that he set us apart for, whatever he may speak to our hearts and call and commission us to do in our lives, that we would just go ahead and say in advance, God, whatever it is, my answer is yes. And I pray that that will be true for you this morning. As we see this example in Acts chapter 13, when God set apart Barnabas and Saul... For the work to which he called them at the church in Antioch. Now the church in Antioch be, becomes a major factor in the book of Acts, starting right around this period. It's actually the second major church we read about in Acts, the first one being the church in Jerusalem. That first church in Jerusalem, which grew out of the ministry of the apostles and those first Christians who were praying together in the upper room after Christ ascended to heaven, began with a lot of success and mostly they were reaching people like them. They were reaching other Judean Jews and other Jewish believers. But something happened that pushed a lot of those believers out of Jerusalem to lots of different places, including Antioch. And you might even ask the question as you're reading through, how did all these people end up going from Jerusalem to a place like Antioch that when you look at it on the map, you say, that's in Syria and in modern-day Turkey— what brought these folks all the way up there? Well, we back up a couple of chapters in Acts chapter 11. And Luke makes very clear that what drove them to places like Antioch was persecution. They had been scattered, those from Jerusalem and that church, by the persecution that broke out when Stephen lost his life as the first martyr. They traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, first spreading the word only among Jews. But some of them, some specifically who were from Cyprus and from Cyrene, went to Antioch and they began to speak to Greeks also. And why this is important is because what, what God was doing from the very beginning in the early church was widening their circle. 
and widening the sphere with which they might have thought, who's welcome here? Who gets to hear this message of salvation? What does it take for a person to be a part of this story that Christ is writing and to be a part of his kingdom work? It began with ministry just to people that were mostly like them. But some of these other believers, specifically from Cyprus and Cyrene, began speaking to the Hellenists, the Greeks also. And they were telling them the good news about Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with all of them. And a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So Acts 11 tells us how we find ourselves here in Acts 13 with a very diverse group of people in the church at Antioch who are being set apart, who are being called, who are being put into the game as a part of God's kingdom work through the church. And notice in our text, some of those same locations that Acts 11 mentioned come up in Acts 13. Now in the church at Antioch, here were some of the leaders. They were prophets and teachers. There was Barnabas. We read elsewhere that he was from Cyprus. There was also Simeon, who was called Niger, and, and he, of course, came from Africa, as did Lucius, who was from Cyrene, which was in Libya. There was also Menaean, who was a very close friend of a very powerful person. Herod the Tetrarch, who, who did not grow up a Judean Jew, but either grew up in Rome or in Galilee or both. And so we can say about Menaean, not only did he grow up in a very different walk of life probably than most people because he grew up around a Herod from this very powerful family with all of their wealth and their influence and, and the family name they were trying to create for themselves, which most of the time was not very good, but nonetheless, the Herods were, were known everywhere around the Mediterranean. So he not only came from this different walk of life from most in the church, but he probably grew up in Rome or in Galilee. He may have even been of Samaritan blood. And so for Menaean to not only be welcomed into the church in Antioch, but to become a leader, to become a, a key leader, an effective part of this church's ministry, says again so much about the inclusivity of the church. In fact, we can say it this way, from the very beginning, as the Holy Spirit was building Christ's church, it was a global church. And as you looked around in places like Antioch, you didn't see a group of people that all looked alike. You didn't see a group of people that all came from the same cultures or walks of life or shared all the same opinions. But you saw people coming from every which direction, from lots of different people groups, speaking different languages, even groups that used to be hostile towards each other are now one in Christ Jesus. And God is setting them apart one by one to be a part of his, his effective ministry through this church and as leaders. Of course, we ought not admit Saul, who was a Hebraic Jew from Tarsus. So, so think about how all that came together for Saul in his life as he would later become Paul, who become the Apostle Paul. He was a part of the elite in terms of his religion. So if we imagine that first church in Jerusalem being built up of mostly Judean Jews, well, in his former life, Saul had risen to the top of that ladder. He had been incredibly successful. He had amassed a significant amount of wealth and influence. 
all of which later on Christ was going to call him to set aside and to leave behind and to completely reorient the direction of his life to go in a different way. But Paul didn't spend most of his growing up years in Judea, but he grew up in Tarsus, which was in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. So, so Paul had this wide range of experiences himself that as he became an apostle and he became one of the key leaders in the early church, God was using even those things from his past and where he was raised as a part of this calling on his life where he had said, set apart for me Saul for the work that I've called him to do. As we look at this picture of the global church, all the different places, all the different walks of life from which God brought people through the Holy Spirit to be a part of this story in Acts. Another thing we learn as we get later on into the letters that people like Paul wrote to these churches as they grew is that many people were slaves. So it's not just that they had a, a low status. Many of them had no status at all in the empire. And yet these were the people that Christ was calling to his church and to every single one of them, whether man or woman, rich or poor, Jew or Gentile, from whatever culture they came, they all entered the same way through salvation in Jesus Christ and through surrendering their lives to him in service of his kingdom. That's what united folks like Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. And did you know that today we still see what what we call a global church and in many parts of the world the global church is expanding and far outpacing the growth that's happening in places like the united states and north america and europe in fact let me just share a couple of statistics with you so at the beginning of the 20th century the early 1900s 80 percent of christians worldwide lived in europe and north america with only 20% then living in the rest of the world, in the non-Western world. Today, it's almost the reverse. Two-thirds of the world's Christians don't live in Europe or North America, but instead throughout South America, Africa, and Asia. So I'm going to say that again. Today, two-thirds of the world's Christians live not in Europe or North America, but throughout South America, Africa, and Asia. Today, the most common language spoken by Christians around the world is not English, it's Spanish. And I love the way one missiologist said it. He said, the average Christian today is female, black, and lives in a Brazilian favela or an African village. The global church, the church of Jesus Christ around the world is exploding with growth. And we see this reversal not just because... Many of our churches in the West are declining, though we have been in a steady decline for a few decades. But it's not because we're declining as much as it is this exponential growth that is happening among Christians around the world. And think about that. If, if that reversal has happened in the last hundred plus years, what led to that point? Well, in many ways, it's because there were, were those who, like Barnabas and Saul many years ago felt that calling on their life they were set apart and god sent them out and they went to some of the most unreached places in the world and there are still many unreached places in this world where the name of christ is not known 
But those faithful people went into those fields a century ago, and now what we have in those places are first, second, third, fourth generation Christian families who have been passing down the family name of Jesus Christ and the legacy that he's building in their family. And they're the ones who are reaching their communities. They're the ones that are planting churches. It's not us. And the work that, begot, that God began decades ago is that the fruit of that work is leading to this incredible multiplication. And we ought to give thanks to God for that. Today still, just as we read in the book of Acts, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church is a global movement. But it's also very personal. And notice, yes, you see in Antioch the, the diversity, the inclusivity, the fact that, that many people had already been set apart, like those we've named to be, to be leaders in that church. But on this particular occasion, it was in a moment like this when they were worshiping together. They'd been fasting, they'd been praying, they'd been worshiping, and the Holy Spirit began to speak into the hearts of the people in this church in Antioch. And specifically, they felt the Holy Spirit prompting them very personally to set apart these two men, Barnabas and Saul, that they would go and they would take the message of the good news of Jesus to those new fields and those new places where the church had not yet gone. God was speaking to their heart and he was saying to Barnabas, yes, I've already called you and you're already a part of, of my church, but I have a fresh and a new vision that I have given you, and I'm setting you apart for it, Barnabas, that you would take that encouraging spirit that you have and, and the amazing story that God's writing on your heart, and you would go back to your hometown in Cyprus, and then you would go other places, and you would tell people who don't know about Jesus that he's your Lord and Savior. And also to Saul, the Holy Spirit was speaking so personally, Saul, I've already been doing this amazing thing in your life, but today I'm setting you apart in a new way and in a fresh way for something that I have for you to do. Specifically, you're going to go with Barnabas, and, and you all are going to go out, you two guys, until I tell you to stop. And everywhere that I send you, you are going to proclaim the good things that I've done for you. Think for just a moment about Saul, who would become Paul, and how God is bringing this story together in his life. In the next few weeks, by the way, we're, we're going to be talking a lot about Paul because as we move into our next message and then the next series, Paul's letters are going to speak to us more about what it means to be the church and to, to walk in, in a spirit-filled way. But imagine Saul just thinking back at this moment that, that before Christ called him on the road to Damascus, boy, he was zealous for religion but he had lost sight of God. He had been incredibly successful in everything he had put his hand to, and yet God did not have his heart. As he was on the road to Damascus, he was going there in outright rejection of Jesus Christ to persecute followers of Jesus Christ, as he'd been doing. But on that road, he heard a voice as if from heaven. He was struck with blindness. And it was Jesus Christ himself who began speaking to him and saying to him, Saul, I want you to repent. I want you to turn away from the direction that your life has been going, and I want you to turn completely to me. I have a new path for you. 
You're going to go from rejecting me to proclaiming me. But a beautiful part of that repentance is that God not only reoriented Saul's heart, but he reoriented the entire direction of his life. Within his calling to salvation was a commission. And by the way, Saul, I'm going to use you to become my voice, to proclaim my message to the ends of the earth. And Saul believed. He, he received that call. He surrendered his life. And he said yes in advance. Never could have imagined, could he have imagined, all the places that he would go and the many ways he would suffer because of the message of Christ. But here in Acts 13, we get to see this snapshot, this beautiful moment when the Lord set them apart and he sent Barnabas and Saul out on their first missionary journey and the good news began to be proclaimed in all of these different places as he set them apart for his glory. Do you believe this morning, because yes, it's, it's great to talk about the church being commissioned, and the church being set apart. And the more we talk about missionaries and others who take the gospel to other places, it's easy to say, that's great. I'm glad God calls people to do that. But he's called me to stay here and to be pretty comfortable. I'm not sure that's the call that any of us ever get on our lives. Do you believe this morning in a personal way that the Lord has set you apart? And it does not matter who you are. If you are a follower of Christ... If you are a modern-day disciple, you too have been set apart for something, and you too are a sent person just like me. Whatever fields the Lord has us to go to, whether it's in our homes, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, maybe it is to cross an ocean, maybe it is to go to an unreached people group, or maybe it's to go to an unreached neighbor. But do you know and believe that God has set you apart in Jesus Christ with the gifts that he's given you and the skills that you've acquired and the uniqueness of your own heart and personality that you would be a part of his kingdom work wherever he would send you. Every single one of us, if we are a follower of Christ, we have been set apart for him. And there's a calling and a commission on our lives. That doesn't mean you have to stand up and preach. It doesn't mean you have to go to some small church and get gasoline all over your suit, okay? But it does mean that you have put your yes on the table. And wherever the Lord, as he sets you apart and sends you out, wherever he tells you to go and to whomever he tells you to go, your answer is yes. It's already on the table. Lord, put it on the map. Put it wherever you would have me to go because I've been set apart for you. Just like Barnabas, just like Saul, just like Lucius and Simeon and Menaean and so many other men and women we read about in the scripture that the Lord set apart. 